This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz. Here are your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops Show, ESPN 700, Andy Larson and Ben Anderson. He's Andy Larson. He's the managing editor of the Salt City Hoops website and blog. He's also the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. Salt City Hoops is the uh, true hoop affiliate at ESPN for the Utah Jazz. Uh, I'm the voice of your React postgame shows. At least I was. The Utah football season is now over. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. You can find Andy on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. You can call the show if you want to uh, get some calls in. We'd love to hear them. 877-353-0700. 877-353-0700. I know we haven't done the show in a while, so questions may have potentially racked up. Thoughts? We've got a trade yeah. deadline coming up. If you want to propose trades, you have uh, players you'd like to see. Is Are they manageable for the Jazz or someone they could potentially go out and get? Are they even take those uh, those calls today? Yeah, I mean, so we haven't been doing the show because these Thursdays have been booked with jazz games or bowl games or whatever it is. So we'll be moving to Tuesdays for the next couple of months. Um, trying to get a more regular schedule, more regular podcast and radio show out there for you guys. So we're, uh, happy to do that. And like, like Ben said, we're happy to take your calls, questions on, on trades. Um, you know, I had a lot of great questions today in my jazz chat that I do every Tuesday on Twitter. Um, we can talk about some of that. Although I think our big duty for today is to review 2017, yeah. preview 2018 of the uh, Utah Jazz. So tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson, at yeah. Ben's Hoops. Uh, here's the thing we are going to talk about, as Andy just said. We're going to look back at 2017. We're going to do the five biggest stories for the Jazz of 2017. We'll kind of go over those quickly. Okay. We're not going to take up a terribly huge amount of time. We're going to look at the five best Jazz players of the 2017-2018 season. Who have been the five best players for the Jazz so far this year? I bet Andy and I disagree, but maybe we don't. Yeah, uh, that's curious. why I wanted to do this exercise. 2018, we look to the future. The biggest stories of 2018 we think are going to arise for the Utah Jazz. Some mm-hmm. of them we know will happen. Uh, and then 2017's biggest villains for the Utah Jazz. Yeah, and then we've got uh, five crazy trade ideas as well. And five. So, let me type um, this up really quick. You're good. Not I, that I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> Don't so I, I've put together five crazy trade ideas. I don't know that it, it. you can have more or I can just do the five that I've got, but um, where we can we can run with that. Uh, let's talk about the latest news with the Utah Jazz, though. They survived December and actually sort of, yeah. are exactly where I thought they would be. I think I went on Gunther and Hackett earlier, uh, not, not earlier today, but throughout the month uh, right here on ESPN 700, Monday through Friday, 2 to 6, and, and said, and I filled in for Bill Riley a couple of times, and mm-hmm. I said the Jazz are going to be five games below 500. Coming out of 2017. That's where they're going to be. Now, I I was going to say, you know, give or take a game or two. Either one direction or the other. And the Jazz are actually exactly five games below 500 right now. And I think that's pretty incredible, actually, considering what they just went up against. Yeah, They could have been way, way worse. I agree. Yeah, you look at, you know, some of the victories they had. I, I think they lost some games that we expected them to win. I'm thinking at Chicago, at Denver. Um, and I think they won some games we expected them to lose. That's home against Cleveland at Boston, uh, where some were some good victories. So I, you know, yeah, it's sixteen and twenty-one is what to expect. And now you start to look at some of the models that predict the rest of the season, and they're—I I don't know if bullish is the right word on the Jazz, but you know, right now they're in the tenth seed. But you look at the schedule for the rest of the year, and it and it does get a lot easier. Uh, you know, 538 right now has the Jazz having a 54% chance of making the playoffs. And I, I don't know that if you asked most Jazz fans, they would be that optimistic about the Jazz, given what they have been over the last two and a half months. Uh, heck, maybe over just the last month in December. But with Rudy Gobert coming back um, and a team that's played, you know, pretty well overall, I, you know, I think there are reasons to be hopeful. Uh, 54% is just a toss up. So right. whatever. Uh, but yeah, you know what? At this point in the season, I actually think that's probably exactly where you want to be. I don't what think do mean, being at a toss-up is bad because you now kind of have this leeway going up to the trade deadline to say, look, if you want to get rid of Derek Favors and you can find someone to take Ricky Rubio or you can find somebody to take Alec Burks and they'll do it and you can get an asset back. And I'm not sure if that's the case or not, but if you can, you say, okay, we're fine missing the playoffs. But at least you're not falling from the fifth spot of the play. You're not stuck 
anywhere. You're not yeah. in the fifth spot of the playoffs right now, which may prevent you from making some of those moves from a, a fan's perspective, but you're not so far out of it that you're forced to make any moves. And I think with the current NBA setup, it just doesn't make sense to kill yourself to try to make the playoffs. I think, you know, five, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, the Jazz may have killed themselves to get that eight seed, to get that seven seed, to try to see, you know, to try to get the playoffs, get that revenue, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> With the Jazz's revenue sharing set up in the NBA right now, you know, honestly, they make money no matter what, so they don't need to make the playoffs. So you can kind of set yourself up for a better record long term. And then secondly, you just have the Warriors and the Rockets at the top of the Western Conference that, you know, you know that you're not going to have any chance of defeating in a seven game series. So it's, you know, you're not going to be the 94 Knicks. You're not going to be the, the Grizzlies of whatever year that was where they yep. beat the Spurs. You know, it's, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to be the We Believe Warriors. So. Right. Uh, you know, there's no reason to kill yourself to to be the seventh or eighth. Season. Not with who the Jazz are right now. Right now, last year when you were trying to appeal to uh, to Gordon Hayward to come back, make the playoffs. Absolutely, you had to, and maybe, and you had to impress to in of, the playoffs. Trying to think too. of who's in that spot this year, maybe Portland. Like they need to show that they're going in the right direction a little bit. And even then, not if they really. fell out, it's not a huge deal. Yeah, there's maybe because I don't think anyone has a pressing free agent option the way the Utah Jazz did last year that they yeah. necessarily have to make it. I mean, Oklahoma City would be the team that's probably true. that needs yeah, to do something this year. And they need to do more uh, than than maybe anyone else outside of you know Houston and Golden State who have to just Agreed. capitalize while this window is open. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, right now they're trying to make that, F- that sale to Paul George, and that's whether or not he stays or goes. Obviously, you know, the Cavs and LeBron James yep. is, is another one, but, you know, he may leave even if they win the NBA title. So it's it's a uh, yeah you're right it, it's not there aren't that many teams though that you have to say are our playoffs are bust maybe the Pelicans but again you know if they didn't I don't know what other options they would have other than trading some of their best players and and maybe that's not a good move. All right, tweet at us at Andy B Larson at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. We always like hearing from you. Uh, should we get into one of our theme segments, or is there more new? Hey, let, let's talk about the Jazz win over the Cavs. Okay, because that was a pretty remarkable win. It was fun, and Donovan Mitchell, I thought, again, took another step. And and I want to ask you something because you've been asking coaches this. Yeah, and I'm curious why you've been asking coaches this. Okay, you're asking about uh, Donovan Mitchell's a his inside out dribble, mm-hmm. which is basically keeping the ball with one hand, faking left going back right, or faking right, going back left, kind of a crossover with one hand, yeah, and then getting to the rim. Why were you asking about that? What were you curious about? Well, I wanted to know uh, for two reasons. One, obviously, it was an important part of that game at the right. end of Cleveland to, to be able to score, be able to beat J.R. Smith in isolation so easily uh, was was a big deal. We you know, won the Jazz that game. But secondly, I, you know, I, I just think it's interesting at this point how Donovan Mitchell is developing skills. And, and it sounds like that one is one that he's had for a long time that sure. he said he didn't have that left hand when he was going through high school and even really in his freshman year of college. So instead he faked left by using that inside out dribble right. to kind of convince his defenders he could go in either direction. Right. Um, with some of these other skills though, he's picking them up during the season and, and you know, right. it's, that's where say the pull up jumper or the, the hesitation dribble, some of the stuff we've seen uh, he's honestly using the Euro step a lot more now at the NBA level than he ever right. did at college. Uh, kind of the scoop layup on the other side, all these kind of things. So it's I'm I'm doing the story or kind of trying to figure out what uh, how it is that Donovan Mitchell is putting together this package so quickly that really you know has him as one of the you saw the stat that the Utah Jazz tweeted out earlier yeah. this you know that there are three players in NBA history who had a December where they scored twenty more twenty points a game or more over fifty percent shooting. It's Michael Jordan, David Robinson, and Shaq. Donovan Mitchell. Shaq, Shaq, yeah. sorry, it's Shaq. So, yeah, now so Donovan three Mitchell of the, the fifteen best players of all time, right, exactly. three of the twenty best players of all time, and Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, uh, and then I, I think the Jazz after the Cavs game tweeted out another thing that said, "I think only David Robinson has as many twenty-five point per game performances mm. in the month of December of his rookie year." I think David Robinson had eight, and Donovan Mitchell had seven. Okay, I mean so, that's insane. Right. Yeah, those are insane numbers, and that's not it, it's cherry picking. But I think it's actually the smart type of cherry picking. It's the interesting type of cherry picking, which over a month, and the reason you do this is because you start to hit your rookie wall. You start playing teams for mm-hmm. the second time. You you kind of have this weird holiday season that comes up that I think does actually distract a lot of players. And, and he just got better and continues to get better. And the way David Robinson was, the way Michael Jordan was at this point, the way Shaq was the day he stepped on the floor, those guys were the very top of the scouting report for the opposing team. Yeah, Just like Donovan Mitchell is, and they're still getting better. 
I mean, we, we kind of talked about Donovan having Dwayne Wade potential um, during the summer as kind of like a crazy idea or, you know, kind of the, the highest level ceiling, something he could show five, six years down the road, um, you know, with the Jazz's player development staff, blah, 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 anything is possible. But we're really seeing some Dwayne Wade-esque kind of stuff, um, some Damian Lillard kind of stuff in year one right away. Uh, really, that kind of gives you the idea that Donovan Mitchell is maybe even more likely than not going to be one of the ten best players in the NBA in, in his career, and 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 that again just raises the ceiling of this Jazz team so much higher. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's th- there's just no way to overvalue how important Donovan Mitchell is to the Jazz right now yeah. because he's got a chance. I mean, he's got top ten player potential in the league, and if you've got a top ten player, you matter. I mean that that's kind of historically when you look at the NBA, if you have a top ten player who scores over twenty points per game and is a and is a scorer, and that's you know a twenty point per game guy is generally a scorer, you've got the right type of player and you've got a chance to be relevant. And the Jazz are going to be relevant because of that. And then they're so far ahead of the game because they've already got Rudy Gobert, which actually leads us into our next question from Smiles on Twitter at Andy B Larson and at Ben's Hoops. Andy, do you have this one? Do you want to read? Yeah. It? Says, what do you guys think would be the ideal type of player to fit next to Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell? Is it a three or D wing, a playmaking four, uh, with some three? I'm guessing a three ball, uh, or is another ball handling guard needed to relieve relieve Mitchell and diversify the attack with Gobert in the pick and roll? I think the answer is yes to all of the above. I mean, honestly, you have three players next to fit next to Gobert and Mitchell, so those are the three players that the Jazz are looking for. You can make the case they have the 3 and D wing with Joe Ingles. I don't know how long his career lasts, but honestly, he really is a 3 and D wing right now. Um, one of the better ones in the league. His, I, I really do think Joe Ingles' defense is underrated. Uh, playmaking four with some three-ball shooting ability, I don't think they have that right now, and I think that no. is one of the things at the top of uh, Dennis Lindsay's list. And then another ball-handling guard is absolutely needed. I mean, I, right. I think, if anything, we've learned from the James Harden experience, the Chris Paul experience— that you need a secondary ball handler to be to help that guy out when he's off the be- when he's on the bench or even to give him a blow on you know while they're on the court together. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, clearly I think the Jazz need more talent at the guard position. Uh, I like that the Jazz. If you want to go traditional lineups and you want to say that size wise, which is probably more important than actual position that he plays, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert have your your size spectrum bookended. You've got your 6'2 guy, and Donovan Mitchell is probably going to be the smallest guy you have on the floor at any point because you're mm-hmm. not going to go out and get Isaiah Thomas, most likely. And you've got Rudy Gobert, who's seven foot plus, and then he's going to be the tallest guy. So you can go and fill in the middle. Yeah. And the nice thing is Donovan Mitchell is versatile enough to play with whoever you want to put him in the backcourt. If you want a point guard or you want a shooting guard, whoever, Donovan Mitchell will fill the other, fi- the other side and be really good and be just fine. You do have to find a specific type of player to play with Rudy Gobert. Agreed. Especially because it can't be Derek Favors yeah. is the answer. So... If you want to go that way, I'm going to say it's that it's that stretch four, and I'm going to say like the Laurie Markkinen type that you're sure. seeing right now in Chicago. That's that's the number one guy I think the Jazz could use. Sure, and you know, and, and I'm not just going to be able to get they're like, not Laurie getting Markkinen, but that's they might get Miritich exactly. And you know that that it depends on how you know willing the Bulls are to sell him, but that's that's a possibility. Uh, another question from Brandon Whitesides on Twitter is: Anyone working with Donovan uh, with Dante Exum's handle while he's hurt? Well, first of all, you can't use one arm, so yeah. that makes it hard to really work on a handle. Uh, but yes, you know, Lamar Skeeter is working with him on the Jazz's player development staff um, every day, really, to kind of work on whatever they can, whether that be form shooting or dribbling with that right hand or, yeah. you know, whatever they can handle. Uh, and that's going to be important for him. I'm excited to see what Donovan Mitchell, and we're going to talk about Donovan coming up more before the end of the show because we've got some top five lists that I suspect will include, uh, I should say, Dante Exum. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about Dante. More coming up before the end of the show. All right, tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson, or at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. Do you want to get into our first top five list? One more question from Twitter first. Let's hear it. Uh, from Giorgio Spinias, Happy New Year from Greece. Uh, suggest a trade for us. We got uh, Jabari Parker, Matthew Della Vidova, and Mirza Toledovic for Derek Favors, Alec Burks, and Dante Exum. Yes. Yeah, I think the Jazz say yes, and I don't think uh, I, I. You know, honestly, I think the Bucks might say yes to that too. That's two bad contracts that the Jazz would be taking on. Toledovic and Delia. Yep. And, Do we know how long Toledovic is? Uh, both are next year, I believe. Uh, double check that for me, but I believe both end after next year. And then, yeah, you you get kind of get the ability to pay Jabari Parker, uh, whatever it is that he will earn in this year's restricted free agency class. I, I, 
at some point I want to do the breakdown of Jabari Parker's game. And honestly, you know, I've, I've haven't watched the amount of video that I should on Jabari Parker, because to me, it's a real question as to how bad, how many assets you want to give up for, uh, Jabari Parker's restricted free agent rights, right? The ability to give him a contract. Uh, Toledovich has two years and $20 million left on his season one year after this year. Right. So he's in the midst of his second year of a three year, $30 million deal. So he's got Alec Burke's contract. Yeah. So basically, you're trading Burks for Toledovich, you're trading Exum for Della Vadova, and you're trading Favors for Jabari Parker. Right. And I mean, that's Exum how for Delhi is position. not right. Exactly. Obviously, Exum is worth more than Delhi, and right. and Barker is worth more than Favors. But the truth is, Della Vadova comes in and plays more than Exum does. Yeah. Right. So maybe you, even next year. You you probably I, I would say that the Jazz would do that deal, and I'm not really convinced that the Bucks would do that. I don't deal. think they would do that deal. Uh, I think you'd probably have to throw in a pick because Jabari Parker, Jabari Parker still has very strong hypothetical value more yeah. than Dante Exum does because when you've seen Jabari Parker healthy, he's shown a ton. He's contributed more. Uh, here's the problem with wanting to watch more film on Jabari Parker. I don't know what you're getting back that he's going to lose from his athleticism because yeah. some of his ability to run the floor and play next to Giannis is really exciting and interesting. Some of that goes away. Now, some of them he might get better because he gets to play next to Gobert. Right, or he gets to play next to Donovan Mitchell now. He plays so, next to a real point guard, or you know, it, or whatever that ends up looking like. But it's it's very different than playing next to Delhi. So some of those values could increase, and some of those could really decrease. And that's the interesting yeah. thing about Jabari. We'll but getting his restricted free agent rights would be enormous for the Jazz, and I think it's worth it. I think giving up anyone not named Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert to try and get those, as long as you're not stacking up draft picks in a trade, I would go out and try and get a guy like Jabari Parker because he's exactly what we talked about. He's the big stretch forward that can step back. And shoot the three. Playmaking. Playmaking guy. You know, he's a very, he's a, he should be a rich man's Trey Lyles. Okay. Should be a m- very rich <laughs> man's Trey Lyles if you're trading for him. Uh, all right. Let's do our top five yes. stories of 2017. Uh, and let's start with five. So the worst story and get to the best story number one. Okay. And so, you know, I kind of used the KSL traffic ratings okay. to, to help me with this list a little bit. So you do your um, you do your five and I'll do my, okay. you, so you do number five and then I'll I do I think number my five. number five is the Ricky Rubio deal. Okay. Jazz trade a first round pick for Ricky Rubio, get their starting point guard for this year, and uh, you know maybe next year too. Uh, my number five, Dante Exum injured again. Okay, I've got that at number five because I thought Exum going into the season, especially now that we know how good Donovan Mitchell is, uh, it could have been a really nice asset in the backcourt, and they looked very good in the summer league together. It would have been fun to see them together. Yeah, I'll just say this: my number four was the Jazz lose George Hill. Okay, and add Ricky Rubio. So it was okay. the transfer of point guard, uh, the torch going from George Hill. To Ricky Rubio was my number four. Very fair. Uh, my number four was the Jazz Ownership Legacy Trust. Okay. Uh, changing, giving the, the team long-term ownership to this legacy trust that is hard to sell and or move. And you're just one spot ahead of me on everything I did. That was my number three. All right. So I will say that at number three. But let's talk about I mean, that low-key is the biggest story of 2017, and it's not even close. Long-term, it's the biggest story because it's going to impact the Jazz this year, next year, sure. the year after that. It's going to impact them beyond any player on this specific team. Before they, re- When that player retires, the Jazz are still going to be in this trust. It will impact that story. I am not convinced that if the Millers one day decided to sell the Jazz, that they couldn't do it still. Couldn't right? They would still have enough. Exactly. No, it, they would have enough votes on that trust board okay. to, to make that move happen. Okay. Um, so to me, I think that's been a little bit overblown, but obviously I think it, it, it would be harder for the Millers to do that, but I don't think it would be impossible. Uh, your number three. Uh, Donovan Mitchell trade on draft day and kind of his emergence overall. Okay. Believe it or not, that's my number two. So I just keep staying one spot ahead it. of you. You Sorry. clearly have a story in here that I've forgotten about because no, I... everything I've got bumping up here. Uh, Donovan Mitchell... Long term, again, could be a bigger story than even our number one story, which I think yeah. is going to be the same thing. But uh, I, I do think that that Donovan Mitchell trading for him, and then more importantly, his breakout uh, has been as big a story as the Jazz could have hoped for, and as positive a note as the Jazz could have hoped for. Even better, say than Gordon Hayward coming back. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, you ready for my number two? Or yeah, did... yeah, because that was because you just keep okay. you're just one. My number two, my... and this is one I think you're missing, is the Jazz winning. In the first round over the Clippers. Yep. I think that was honestly a a important step for this Jazz front office, for this Jazz coaching staff to have, you know, a, a big playoff win over a good Clippers team uh, in seven games, have playoff games at home. The You know, kind of the whole thing to, to make this a credible push 
for contention, I guess, if you'll say. They desperately needed it. Because let's say they had lost that and then lost Gordon Hayward in the offseason. Not that I think Gail Miller would have been, been saying, hey, Dennis Lindsay, your job's on the line, or hey, Quinn Snyder, your job's on the line. But f- the fan base would have been much more sour on those two guys specifically, yes. I think, because the Jazz hadn't made the playoffs in five years. And then it would have been even longer since they had won a playoff series, which would go back to what was last Denver time? Denver and Memo Kurt. The- right. So yeah. you're talking about a really long time ago since the Jazz have had a postseason win. Uh, that that would go back on, and and I mean win since they'd had right. a postseason win because they'd gotten swept the last couple of times they'd played, or at least the last time they appeared in the playoffs. So, uh, I, I agree with you. That's a bigger story, and I should have had that in my top five. In fact, it should have been over Dante Exum getting injured again. Uh, but getting that win was big, and it reshaped the West pretty significantly. Yeah. Now maybe Chris Paul was going to leave one way or another, but I think this guaranteed that he left, and I think it's going to end up costing Doc Rivers' job in the next couple of years. Yeah, I agree with that. And yeah, even if Chris Paul leaves, I think this. Current Clippers team has a different uh, feel to it if they win that series, and that you maybe you believe you know with Blake Griffin, with Danilo, with Pat Bev and Milos and sure. all that, maybe you believe you can win a playoff series. And, and now they're talking about now, trading DeAndre Jordan. Exactly. I mean, they're really talking about blowing it up outside of Blake Griffin. I would be surprised if they if they didn't. To be right. quite honest. Uh, and then once you trade DeAndre, you might be willing to trade Blake if you feel like you yeah. get a top five pick and you've got another lottery pick from the DeAndre Jordan trade. You may feel like, hey, it's time to really rebuild this thing. To me, I don't think so because Blake is young enough that like he still can be part of the next good Clippers team. Absolutely. And so could DeAndre Jordan. Maybe, but again, he's expiring and right. so is more likely to leave in sure. trade agency. You just signed and they just signed Blake. Blake to this four-year long deal. Uh, and we got to see what happens with Blake's health uh, and if he can con- continue to be that guy. But you're right. He, when he's healthy, he's a top 20 player in the league. Yes. When he's super healthy, he's a top 10 player in the league, but he's so rarely fully healthy mm-hmm. he's always recovering or anticipating his next injury <laughs> or i'm always anticipating his next injury uh and then number one gordon hayward leaves the utah jazz yeah yeah I, I, obviously i mean that's the one i, I mean i did five radio hits a day from around the country yeah. on gordon hayward leaving i mean it's it was the biggest story in the nba for what you know the fourth three, of july four days? Yeah, yeah right I mean, the third fourth and fifth of july so i you know when was the last time that happened in utah it's been a very long time uh, and Gordon Hayward leaving did change the face of the franchise because Gordon yeah. Hayward was the face of the franchise and changed the direction of the franchise. If the Jazz had Gordon Hayward now and had added Donovan Mitchell and had added Rudy Gobert or had kept Rudy Gobert uh, and he starts this four-year deal now, you are talking about a team that's figuring out how they can contend for a championship in two or three years. You know, I remember talking to someone in the Jazz front office after that, uh, after the Clippers win, and you know, the Jazz had just done one in the first round and clearly were kind of building towards something, had a lot of youth. It was it was a, an exciting time in Jazzland, and then he said, "You know, we're going to be good for a long time unless Gordon Hayward leaves, leaps it up." Is was, huh. the, was the phrase used? Uh, and that was and, Gail Miller. And that you was talked to. yeah, it was <laughs> incredible. You never expected it from Gail, uh, but really, sure, you know, he did. You know, he he right, really absolutely. did mess up the long term plan of this franchise, and now the the lucky, really fantastically lucky thing is, is it looks like Donovan Mitchell is as good of a player. Right, and could be better. And could be better. Uh, which will be a huge advantage for the Jazz. Uh, and, and you know what? The Jazz would be better now if Gobert had been healthy for every game so far sure. this season, too. So that's uh, injuries and, and Hayward leaving continue to plague the Utah Jazz. This is the Salt City Hoop Show. He's Andy Larson. You can tweet at him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. You can tweet at me, Ben Anderson, at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. We are having a reflective show as 2017 has come to an end. We just did the biggest stories of 2017. Uh, they were, here's the six that Andy and I had combined because I had Dante Exum getting injured. He did not have that. It was Exum getting injured. Jazz lose George Hill slash trade for Ricky Rubio. Uh, the Jazz get placed into the Legacy Family Trust. Donovan Mitchell comes in, has the breakout year. Uh, the Jazz beat the Los Angeles Clippers in the 2017 playoffs. And then Gordon Hayward leaves for Boston. Yep. Those are the biggest stories, and I think it's hard to argue. If you have some thoughts, tweet at us. I gave you uh, the Twitter handles just a minute ago, or you can call us 877 353 0700. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue to answer your tweets. And we've got the five best players so far for the Utah Jazz in 2017. Uh, I guess going into the 2018 season. Yeah. We'll talk about that coming up next. Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Coming, uh, stick around. We'll have more coming up next on ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. 
Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700, Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. He's Andy Larson, the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. I'm Ben Anderson. I also contribute at KSL.com. You can tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. You can tweet at Andy at Andy B. Larson. Andy, do you have any more questions? I do not. You do not. Okay. Neither do I. Because if they've tweeted at oh, me. I've got one more. Sorry. I take it back. At you. All right, let's uh, hear Brendan it. Whitesides asks, how are the Jazz doing with their streaming services? Uh, I honestly haven't checked up on it in about a month. My bad. Last I heard is that AT&T Sportsnet is still working on that streaming app that will let you watch Jazz games if you have a cable or satellite subscription. As far as like real streaming goes, where you can actually cut the cord and whatnot, uh, that is further away. I, again, no one knows anything, or no one will tell me anything on like uh, when to actually expect that, which is really frustrating for Jazz fans. And um, yeah, it sucks. Five years from now. Everyone will be able to cut the cord if they want to. Every, you just can't quite get there. There are two NBA teams that don't have it. Oh, really? The Jazz are one of them? Yeah. Oh. So uh, it is honestly embarrassing for AT&T Sportsnet, especially, although uh, you know the Jazz are putting as much pressure on the, as they can on AT&T Sportsnet, uh, and they just haven't delivered. Part of it's because of they've like changed ownership t- five times now, and they're owned by DirecTV, which is owned by AT&T, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and part of it is just like they've consistently over, over, de- under delivered and over expected. I don't know, whatever yeah. it is. Over promised. Over promised. There we go. So it's, it's bad news bears all around. All right. Uh, one of the things we're doing, we're looking back at uh, 2017. Yeah. Because 2017 is now behind us. Uh, we did give you our five big stories of 2017. You can go find that, uh, download the podcast when it comes out after the show. Uh, you can find those as we did that with our opening segment. One of the things we want to do is the five best players as well, and I realized that we got a little anticlimactic because it got more obvious as our stories went on okay. in the last segment. So let's flip it on and switch. Let's start with number one, the Jazz best player, and then we'll work our way down to number five because I think we'll continue to spread out a little bit more. And I believe our lists are probably different outside of number one and probably number two. Okay. And there's no question. And this is for the 2017-2018 season. Yeah. Not the end of last year and the beginning of this year, just this season so far for so the Jazz. So how much they've played – is is accounted for, right? Uh, and yeah, so as I, Dennis I mean, Lindsay says, the best avail- ability is availability. Love great. it, love it. Great quote. Uh, number one, Donovan Mitchell. No question. Yeah, I mean, it's so. And let me say this: here's a really hot take. Regardless of injuries, even if Gobert had been healthy this whole time, Ooh, that is a hot take. Uh, Donovan Mitchell still may have been the Jazz best player. Maybe. I mean, Gobert had not been the Gobert we saw at the end of last year. He may um, miss Gordon Hayward more than I had expected. Uh, and, and he may not fit well next to Favors when Favors is that healthy. And Ricky Rubio, I think, has been a really big part of his decline as Absolutely. well. Um, honestly, having a knee brace, I think, really makes him play at about 80% too. Um, anyway, so uh, Donovan Mitchell, the stats don't really show it. I mean, I'll, I'll say that. Like, if you look at the whole season, sure. that early October five-game stretch really hurts him. Um, in terms of efficiency, but if you kind of look at since then, I'm willing and, to overlook the first five games of his NBA career, right? And, and it's just ridiculous. Obviously, he leads the Jazz in scoring. Uh, he's so talented. He's he's a great shooter. He's you know, uh, it's it's a leader. The Jazz have a star. Yeah, they have a star. So Donovan Mitchell, number one, no question about it. Number two, Derek Favors. Yeah, I'm with you on that too. Uh, you know, you again, it's kind of about consistency. It's about playing 35 games so far. Playing 27 minutes a game, and and sure, next to Rudy Gobert, he had some really bad contests, or at least some contests where it didn't look like he existed. But uh, when Rudy Gobert has been out and he gets to play his natural center position, it all comes together for him. He gets to roll to the basket and finish. There are some weirdos who think that uh, Fave is better than Rudy Gobert, and he's just not. You know, like I would much rather have a healthy Rudy sure. than a healthy Derek Favors. Right. I mean, put him on an put him on a, in a fantasy draft, or and I don't mean fantasy basketball. I mean you're drafting the entire league. Yeah. Rudy goes 50 spots ahead of Derek Favors, if not more. Yes. And you would never trade him one for one with equal contracts, equal years left. You would never trade Gobert for Favors. And I do think Fave has disappointed a little bit on the defensive end this year. Then again, I still like Favors, and he's still been the Jazz second best Favors player. Favors still been the second. Jazz. He's very good. Favors is a really good player. Yes. he's a he's a starting level center in the NBA. Yes, which means he's one of the thirty best centers in the world. Yes, the Jazz just have one of the three best centers in the world. Agreed. Also on their roster, and it's not Derek Favors. Uh, so Favors too. This is where we start to separate. Number three, who do you have? Uh, I have Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles. How did you know? Talk to me about. I am looking at your list. Uh, okay. Tell me about Joe Ingles. Why do you think Joe Ingles has been the Jazz third best player? 
Again, a little bit of his, of it is the availability thing. He actually leads the Jazz in minutes this year, uh, and I think that that matters. Um, and you know, has been a consistent, consistently solid three point shooter. That matters. The gravity opens up stuff. Uh, his plus minus is very good. His defense has been very good. Again, it's kind of like with Derek Favors, except just not as good. He's been consistently there doing his thing, being Joe Ingles, um, and, and, you know, getting an average of 10 points a game. It's at this point, that is, that's nice. Career highs in points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, uh, effective field goal percentage, three point shooting percentage. Oh, no, he's 0.3% below what he was uh, last year. Mm hmm. Uh, in three point percentage. So, but field goal attempts, he, he's got, got career highs right now, which is actually a good thing when you can increase your field goal, uh, attempts and keep your effective field goal percentage the same or better. That's, that's a sign of improvement. Yes. Uh, Joe Ingles has been very good. I don't even have him in my top five. That's honestly, that's fine. I, I, I'm not offended by that. And maybe I use stats more than, than you did. You know, I, again, I'm looking at kind of value added over, over the whole season. Um, but I, I just think with, you know, what he's done on both ends of the floor, uh, consistently at for every game being healthy, like he's he's been coming in and out of games defensively a little bit. I think that's a little bit harsh. I think Rodney's a below average defender, not a terrible one, um, but it, it needs to be mentioned. Uh, and I, he may have uh, not been helped by the fact that he started the year in the starting lineup with that terrible starting lineup that the Jazz had, sure. which was horrendous, and then moved to the bench and also was bad there. Now maybe that's just Rodney Hood, or maybe that's just. He's not playing with Donovan Mitchell, right? right. They, he, that's the guy who he got swapped for. And then playing with the Jazz's best right. player probably makes you look better. Number five, I think we both probably have Rudy Gobert. Yeah. I mean, he, he has been good enough when healthy that uh, he has been a big impact on games with rebounding, putbacks, finishing at the rim. Uh, not had enough games where I think he matters. He's had enough games where he's... A, and maybe Joe Ingles deserves to be in there. I, I think... Ricky's probably single-handedly won the Jazz more games this year than Joe Ingles has. Agreed. He's also lost the Jazz more games than Joe Ingles. Yeah, has. I was going to say I think he's a net negative. Honestly, in terms okay, of the number of he's games okay. he's, he's won or lost the Jazz, I think you can point to more games where he's his turnovers and shooting woes have have hurt them more. And I think Joe Ingles is a more consistent positive where you can't point to a single game where Joe Ingles has lost you that game. Tweet at us at Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops. Who are your top five players for the Jazz so far this year? At Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops, we'd love to hear from you. Your top five players from the Jazz so far this season. When we come back, we're going to look around the NBA, talk about some of the trends we're seeing. We also have a couple another a couple other top five lists we want to get to before the end of the show. The top 2018 stories we expect to have coming up before the end of the year. The biggest villains of 2017 for the Utah Jazz, which I like that one. And then we're going to get into everyone's favorite. We'll do this at the top of the hour. Five crazy trade ideas for the Utah Jazz coming up in 15 minutes. But coming up next, we look around the NBA, uh, look at some of the scores tonight and some of the trends we're seeing across the league, including one huge player, well, small player, making a huge impact returning to a lineup. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700, the home of the youths. From coast to coast, this is Around the NBA on Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. You can find us on Twitter at Andy B. Larson and at Ben's Hoops. We would love to hear from you. So go ahead and send us some tweets. You can also call in 877-353-0700. Uh, the big stories around the NBA we like to do at the end of the first hour. First of all, some local news. Congratulations to our friend, Andrew Treasure, who got the uh, Utah Jazz social media job. And I think... Low-key, those actually have big impacts on teams. It kind of sets your identity mm-hmm. nationally and locally for your team, and that's how a lot of fans now interact with it, and I think she'll be good at it. She starts what, Tuesday? No, I, mean, uh, I guess today's Tuesday. Today. Thursday? Before the end of the week. Soon. Yeah, congrats, uh, So that's Andrew. got a local uh, news, so good for her. Congratulations to her. Uh, another big addition tonight, Isaiah Thomas. I think he and Angie are probably the same height. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is making his debut and did make his debut tonight for the Cleveland Cavaliers against the Portland Trailblazers in a Trailblazers, uh, or I should say in a Cleveland Cavaliers win. Yeah, I, he had he, he was actually really good. Uh, 17 points, 6 of 12 shooting, 3 assists, 2 turnovers. Uh, was a plus 17 in the Cavs win in, in the game where their bench kind of really led them to victory. 
against the Blazers. Um, so, uh, you know, I, where Isaiah Thomas is on a scale from one to last year, I guess, really det- determines how likely it is that the Cavs make the finals again. Uh, I agree. Now, their main competition is the Boston Celtics. In fact, it's probably their only competition in the Eastern Conference. I still think even without him, I probably would have liked the Cavs in that series. Okay. Because I just like LeBron over seven games. He's just, he's so dominant. He's so ridiculously incredible. Because you, I mean, you saw the beginning of the fourth quarter of the Jazz game the other night. Mm -hmm. LeBron dominated that game as much as a human can dominate an NBA game with that level of player. Understanding that there, at any time on the floor, there are 10 of the 450 best players in the world. And LeBron is so far and ahead, or so far and away, the best player of those players when he's on the floor. He can dominate entire stretches like that. And that was game 29 in Salt Lake City on his birthday. I mean, there's no reason to care about that game. I mean, I honestly thought that he, he does, he went in and out of that game a lot where you were right. There were, there were probably 18 minutes of that game where he just showed how incredible he was. Absurd. Um, you know, first half and really kind of the final six minutes of the fourth. Right. Uh, but really in that third quarter stretch where the Jazz made the run and, and got to that 15 point lead, I thought he switched off a little bit, whether it was the technical foul with Tabo Cephalosha right. or whatever it was. Uh, he didn't run back on defense. He started arguing with his teammates. I love LeBron James. Don't get me wrong. I just think that, you know, he, he had an up and down game that game. Uh, right. And that's game 37 in Salt Lake. Sure. Absolutely. Game three of the Eastern Conference Finals that's against Kyrie story. Irving in Boston, where he loves to go nuts. Yeah, he's just he's going to dominate 38 minutes of that game. Yeah. He will be the best player on the floor for all 38 minutes, and it's not close. Boston doesn't have anyone close to as good as LeBron James. No, even if Gordon Hayward's out there, it just doesn't matter. But Gordon Hayward's not out there. Even so one of their Kyrie best, best players, is gone. you know, honestly, right. is, is is not, not close to LeBron. So I I would still take the Cavs, but you add Isaiah Thomas to that, and we forget how good Isaiah Thomas is. A because he's been injured, and you're concerned about players coming back from injury. You don't know how he's going to fit with the Cavaliers, but B because we see how good Kyrie is. Since he's gone to Boston, he's been great this year, and Boston is great this year. For some reason, I think in my mind, subconsciously, I think, well, okay, I- Isaiah Thomas is worse. Sure. No, Isaiah Thomas is still incredible. He might not be a, he might not be as good as Kyrie Irving is, but he was so good last season. I think, yeah, I think Isaiah was better than Kyrie last season. Correct. Uh, you uh, just looking at the regular seasons the players both right. had, and uh, obviously he got hurt in the playoffs. Isaiah Thomas did, but. If Isaiah Thomas can be 100% of what he was last year, then, I, you know, really the Cavs absolutely, I, I, I mean, do, do you think they have a chance to actually really challenge the Warriors? Yeah, okay. over seven games they do. Uh, and I like the additions of Jay Crowder, and I'm curious to see what they do with the trade deadline, if they can go out and get one more piece. I don't know if they can. If they add DeAndre Jordan, they're going to be insane. Yeah. DeAndre Jordan, I mean, you watched the problem with the Jazz over and over, was Joe Ingles can beat Kevin Love off the dribble. Right. And if, if Joe Ingles can beat you off the dribble... I have a, an inkling Kevin Durant's going to be okay in that series, or Draymond Green, or whoever. But if DeAndre Jordan's back there, that really changes that dynamic pretty significantly. That's true, and I, you know, honestly, I think they probably need a better perimeter defender as well, correct? Um, to to guard the Kevin Durant's, the Steph, the Steph Curry's, or even you know, as we saw the Donovan Mitchells. Uh, but the good news is you have Jay Crowder, though he's not he's not Tony Allen, and and I think he's kind of uh, he's he's gotten that credibility, and he's never actually earned no, it. yeah, I I think Jay Crowder had. Two or three good defensive seasons, and in the last year and a half, has actually secretly been pretty average. But let me see if let, let's see if he can lock in. And some guys can lock in. Kyrie, when the Cavs won the finals, actually had a very good defensive series. Mm-hmm. So let's see if uh, if we could see with LeBron locking in, if Jay Crowder could also find that. And then you get better when you have a guy like DeAndre Jordan behind you. Sure, you become a better defensive player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's see if that happens. Uh, I would like to see that. Uh, big news out of Houston: James Harden out at least two weeks with a hamstring injury. Yeah, now it, this could cost them home court advantage in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how they do. You know, honestly, they they have enough talent with Chris Paul and and Trevor Ariza and, and Eric Gordon to kind of uh, to survive. It, it'll be interesting. Also, to me, they've been really weird defensively recently. I mean, they're just giving up huge point totals, including in a in a two overtime game. So, uh, I I just think. I'm really curious to see how this plays out, and I think it will shape a lot of the narrative, too, for the MVP race as to whether or not James Harden will win that at the end of the year. Uh, and then the other big story, and I'm with you, because James Harden, I thought, was the favorite, even if he hasn't been as good as he was last year. He was still the favorite this year because of what happened last year, where he absolutely should have won it, but the problem was Westbrook should have won it more. Yes. Everything pointed James Harden. Best like he was 
last season, two seasons ago. But if he is what he was, it has been this year, kind of struggling with injuries a little bit, only averaging 10 points a game on some iffy shooting numbers, then it, it's, uh, it's a no-go. Here's my concern with Nicholas Batum. He was signed to this huge deal after 2015, mm-hmm. and he averaged 9.4 points a game, shot 40% from the floor and 32% from the three-point line. Now, we also gave you six rebounds and five assists. We have noticed something about the Jazz. They're not an assist-heavy team. The system does not, even when you've got guys who traditionally have big right. assist numbers, you, so those assist numbers are down. Now, that probably doesn't actually mean a whole lot because it's not like the offense is going to stall because uh, Nicholas Batum is not racking up five assists a game anymore. But his big, mon- his big money season was pretty mediocre, and even then, his best season of his career, he averaged 15 points a game uh, with six rebounds, just under six assists, and again, is just not a good shooter, 42%, 35%. Yeah. To me, I, I say no. I think it's too much money. I think it's to too much money long like term. That. I've always liked Nick Batum's potential, and you know, again, there's that France tie. I think you know, in terms of yeah. we talked about the Jazz needing a three and D player uh, who you know can fit into the offense a little bit, and Nick Batum could be that guy. He's not that good of a three point shooter, though. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't think I take on that deal. He also missed a lot of games at 21. He missed a lot of games when he was 23. He missed, and he misses at least 10 games a year pretty much every season since then, with the exception of 2013-2014. You have another uh, Joe Johnson and Alec Burks deal, though. Uh, my Joe Johnson-Alec Burks deal that I would propose for the Utah Jazz. Sorry, I'm pulling this up right now. Joe Johnson and Alec Burks, I'm really curious how Jazz fans feel about this. For George Hill, former Utah Jazz point guard last year. So I like George Hill probably better than I like Nicholas Batum because... He makes $20 million this year and next year, and then Agreed. his third year is totally non-guaranteed. He's two years older, and I think there's a bigger possibility that he's just not going to be good anymore. Okay. I mean, i got to be honest. I think, I think based on what he's done in Sacramento so far, being relegated to the two-guard spot and, and playing off the ball, he's, he had a couple of nice games in December, really four games in a row where he scored 16, 18, and 22 points, but... In the last two weeks, he's reverted back to the 3-for-11 for 7 points guy and, and losing big in Sacramento. I mean, I, I, I think, first of all, I think that relationship is done for, for off-the-court reasons um, and, and kind of contract yep. bad feelings. Correct. But even, even in a vacuum without that, I, I, just, I think George Hill might just be done. Huh. His shooting numbers are actually up from last season, at least from the three. He's shooting 45%. But he is taking two threes fewer per game. So if he was taking those two more and having to be in the starting lineup and guard the opposing team's best wing player like he did for long stretches last season, maybe we see that number go back down. He just is such a better fit alongside Rudy Gobert than Ricky Rubio is. It might be worth that type of money. And the reason Sacramento does it is because they hate George Hill. The reason the Jazz do it is because they get a point guard that fits next to Rudy Gobert and Ricky Rubio does not. Yes. Yeah, I I mean, I I think you can make that case. Again, I think it's just kind of a lot of money for a player that you don't know is going to be any good for the next two years. Uh, It may just be that the toe injury has really hurt George Hill permanently defensively. And if he's not that good of a defensive player, then you're really only playing him for his shooting uh, and a little bit of playmaking, but he's only averaging 2.7 assists per game. I mean, really, that's... That's never what George Hill has been about, per se. I I, I think I, I don't think I would do either of the last two deals, quite frankly. Uh, do you have another deal? Sure. Uh, Jazz fans, let us know. Which deals would you do? Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll have to post these out online, or you're listening to the show, you can let us know. Even if you catch it on the podcast and you're listening right now, tweet at us the next day. We'd love to hear from you. Let's do uh, Let's do the Celtics one. I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, actually, I got two of them, but let's do the first one. So uh, I'm working on a Celtics deal as we speak. Okay, uh, it's weird for the Jazz to trade with the Celtics given the Gordon Hayward drama, but really that's no reason to ignore a potentially good trading partner, right? If you want to win games, you have to forget kind of the ugly business of the past. Sure. You can't, you know, for, you can't pretend that, oh, you're going to make Boston worse. By not trading them a player that you like, if you think it can make you better. Yeah, honestly, if you're meeting Boston, if you're meeting Boston in the NBA Finals, you're you're pretty stoked on that anyway. Uh, 2019 Clippers pick and Corey Brewer and Marcus Morris for Derek Favors and Tabo Cephalosha. So basically, you trade two of your good assets um, in Favors and Cephalosha. Favors expiring, Cephalosha has another year left. You get a late pit Clippers pick for next year. That would probably have some uh, trade protections on it as well, uh, and you get a a uh, outside shooter in Marcus Morris take on a contract in Brewer. Uh, 
I like the idea that the Jazz rebuild their asset bank a little bit because they need future first-round draft picks. Uh, giving one up for Ricky Rubio looks like it was a mistake, but I understand why they did it. It's hard to blame them for that. You had to try and convince Gordon Hayward that you were still trying to get a player that could be as good as George Hill, though clearly Ricky Rubio is not. Uh, sure, I probably do that trade. I think if you can get a first-round draft pick, basically you're getting a first-round yeah. draft pick back for Derek Favors, and you actually get a guy in, in Morris who might be able to play a little bit and could potentially be a starter long-term. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very good deal for the Jazz. I do, too. Uh, by the way, I should point out, Corey Brewer is not a member of the Celtics, so it's actually a three-team deal the way it was proposed, and okay. that they trade Corey Brewer for, like, uh, I think it was Aaron Baines. But anyway, I mean, okay. something something goofy. Uh, I, that's a really good return for Derek Favors, who's going to walk for too. nothing in the offseason. I, he, I, he is going to leave for nothing in the offseason. Yeah, so I, I, I think, given that, I think you have to say yes from a Jazz perspective. Do the Clippers, can the, I guess, can the Celtics do something better with that Clippers pick would be my question. Uh, and I, I, I don't know if they can. You know, it kind yeah, of, it's a can. 2019 Clippers pick is the thing. And so, uh, it, how you do the protections on it really matters because they might think yep. and then it, it might be, you know, two second round picks or something. So, which I would just try to avoid that deal at all costs if I could have on the Jazz. Yeah. Um, but I would do that. If you could okay. get a, I would want to make sure that the protections aren't so crazy that I never thought I'd get that pick. But you get a guy who's a rotation player in Morris, and you get a first-round draft pick. Giving up Tabo Cephalosha hurts, but that would make Boston a lot better. Because Favors is a good rim protector, Favors is a good player. Uh, and then getting another guy in Tabo to go and play LeBron like he did yeah. uh, here in Salt Lake for 30 minutes a night, or even 15, if you're just trying to throw different bodies at him, is a, is a great addition. Yeah, I agree. Um, I you know I, I get the sense that... Uh, so the sorry the Clippers pick by the way is lottery protected and then becomes two second round picks if uh, the Clippers are you know don't make the playoffs so that's it's kind of interesting it's a either a first round pick or two good second round picks if the Jazz uh, if the Clippers don't make the playoffs uh, you've got another Boston one I've got another Boston one. let's come yeah. back to those in a second okay I've got an Orlando Magic one okay the Utah Jazz trade Derek Favors Ricky Rubio and Hal Neto okay for Nikola Vucevic or Vucevic Oof. okay. Terrence Ross and Alfred Payton. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Okay. I don't like Vooch at all. I don't think he's a good fit next to Rudy. There are, I, I think he's less of a good fit next to Rudy than Derek Favors is. Interesting. Uh, or at least like identical fit. You know, honestly, I think they do a lot of the same things. Okay. Um, I don't like Payton at all, honestly. Correct. Uh, but you're getting rid of Ricky Rubio. You're trading yeah. one bad player for another bad player, and I believe Alfred Payton's contract is up at the end of the year. I might because he was in, in that Dante Exum draft. Ricky Rubio's talent more than more Alfred than Alfred Payton. Payton. Okay, you get Terrence Ross, who's nice. What's his What's Terrence Ross's contract at? Do you have that? Uh, I think he has two years and something like twenty million dollars. Okay. So here's the so funny that's thing. That's a good deal. I actually think Terrence Ross might be the worst player in this trade. What? Yeah, uh, Nikola Vucevic has he been really bad this year? Might that I didn't notice. Make an All Star game this year. In fact, is going to make an All Star game if he stays wow. on the East Coast. Nikola Vucevic is averaging seven. Like their window is actually open this year, which I'm not sure is the case. Marcus Smart, Aaron Baines, and Abdel Nader for Derek Favors and Royce O'Neal. Basically, right. you're trading Marcus Smart for Derek Favors. Uh, Mark Smart, restricted free agent. Same so. draft class as Dante Exum. So, yeah, he's you're probably going to lose him this offseason if you're Boston because you just don't have enough money to pay a guy like that. That probably means you're going to lose Derek Favors too, but Derek Favors took a bad deal with the Jazz the last time he signed. So he might be willing to go years over high dollar amount. Maybe. Uh, because he knows he's got some injury issues, and he may want to play for a contender. Now, he's never expressed that ever in his life, but he also isn't the guy who, he's not Carlos Boozer who says, I'm going to get a raise regardless. No, he hasn't He hasn't talked about you know what his kind of priorities are if he's he, if, when he is a free agent. Uh, he is an East Coast guy. At least he's an Atlanta yeah, guy, which is a Atlanta Southern guy, which is, guy, different which is than way Boston. different than Boston. <laughs> but... Uh, I think that could make some sense, and I like the idea of Marcus Smart in Utah, even if Marcus Smart hates the idea of Marcus Smart in Utah. Can you put – okay, so say that – do you say that deal again for – Marcus Smart, quick. Aaron Baines, Abdel Nader, okay. who no one's heard of. He's actually quite good. Uh, Derek Favors and Royce O'Neal. Now, they get Royce O'Neal because they get another young 3 and D guy. Okay. It's, it's hard for me to put Marcus Smart in the Jazz's offense and have it work. He's – legitimately the worst shooter in the NBA. Marcus yeah. Smart is the worst shooter in the league that gets rotation minutes. He simply cannot score the ball. 
he's a really good fit to me in Boston because Absolutely. they have a center who can shoot. They have a power forward who can shoot. Right. They have a point guard who he's can shoot. He's your they one guy on your floor can shoot, that you know, can't like, shoot. Right. Which is the new NBA. The you jazz, have to have four guys that can shoot. Right. With the Jazz, you know, immediately you can't do that because Mark, uh, I, I, I think I say no. Okay. Marcus Smart this year is shooting uh, 33% from the floor and 29% from the three-point line. If that is my last offer, I, I might do it just to see what I can do with Marcus Smart. Because you can sign him and trade him later. Yeah. As long as you don't give him four years, $85 million. Sure. And I don't think he's going to get that because he can't shoot. Because he can't shoot, right. But he's, he's a weird fit. Uh, yeah, he's a weird he, fit. He's such a good he, – he's actually really smart with the ball. Uh, he's he's such a good defender. He was great when Isaiah Thomas was out last year. Yeah. Was really phenomenal. Yeah, playing point guard. I Maybe he fits really well next to Donovan Mitchell, but I don't know how he fits at all next to Rudy Gobert. And Rudy's still, you know, still the, the – Yeah, number one or number two best player on your team right. when he comes back. Another trade idea. So I, I'm probably with you. That's the That's the last offer for favors I accept. If nothing else is on the table and Boston says, when you want to take it, call us at the deadline and we'll make that trade. I'd probably make it then just because you have an asset that you control long-term, favors otherwise you lose. Yeah. Uh, all right, here's here's an interesting one, um, and I, I, I don't know if the teams involved do it. It's kind of a three-team deal where with Denver, Boston, and Utah, where Denver gets uh, Aaron Baines. Okay, Denver Bo- gets Aaron Baines. Yes. Boston gets Darrell Arthur and a second-round pick. Darrell Arthur hasn't been playing at all for Denver. Is actually, I think, better than he's gotten credit for in Denver. But anyway, um, Boston or Denver kind of gives up a second in order to upgrade from Arthur to Baines. And then uh, the Jazz trade Derek Favors for Darrell Arthur and a first-round pick. The Boston 2018 first-round pick. Hmm. So that's the 28th pick in the draft. Yeah. You get Darrell Arthur, who's basically a throw-in. Conceptually, he makes sense. Yeah, and right. He's a spread. He's a he's a he's a spread big. I mean, he's a guy who can stretch the floor a little bit. Uh, what's he? I have no idea what he's doing this year because I'm not paying attention to Memphis at all. Or Darrell Arthur? Yeah, he's on. Uh, he's in Denver. Denver. There yeah. you go. See, that's how little he, I'm paying. Honestly, to he's not playing. Denver. Yeah, right. He's not playing because they have five other guys that do the same thing. Uh, he's just a throw-in. He's a he's a throw-in. You're right. getting he Derek be... Favors for the 28th pick in the draft. He's an NBA player. Yeah. I, I... I'm pretty sure he's an NBA player. I, I mean, I guess maybe not after the injury. Um, I'm not sure that he's like a star. I don't think he's a – he may not be a starter. He, I, I think he's at worst a defensive backup point guard like a, a – uh, you know, I, I don't even know. But there's – Basically, you're auditioning Tyreek Evans to see if he likes what you do and would want to resign with you next season. And you're giving up the rights to Dante Exum to do it. I don't think Tyreek playing in Utah would like – drastically change the odds of him playing in a jazz uniform next year. Okay. If that makes sense. Sure. Uh, I, I just, you know. I think guys need to try it before they would ever try it, if that makes sense. Hmm. Force him to try it before he would ever willingly try it by himself. Then again, sure. he might go wherever is willing to give him the most money this offseason, regardless of what happens, because he knows how close he was to being out of the league. Uh, the, and, and understand, Dante Exum's not playing. Tyreek Evans is averaging 20 points a game, five rebounds, almost five assists, shooting 47% from the floor and 43% from the three-point line. He's having a ridiculously good year. Yeah. But you do that so you can make the playoffs this year. You hope Tyreek Evans proves that he'll stick around. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I just don't like – I don't know that I buy Tyreek Evans' future enough to give him the contract that you would want to give him. All right. That's our five or more crazy <laughs> trade proposals for the Utah Jazz. Tell, them which ones, uh, tell us which ones you'd sign off on, which ones would you veto, at Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. This is the Salt City Hoop Show. When we come back, we've got some fun topics still. The 2018 biggest stories we anticipate and the biggest villains of 2017 looking back at the past season. That's coming up next on the Salt City Hoop Show. ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, the beat writer for Utah Jazz at KSL.com. You can find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. I'm also a contributor at KSL.com. You can hear my voice often here on ESPN 700 as well. 
Uh, we just did a bunch of crazy trade scenarios. If you have some you want to tweet at us, we'd love to hear from you. Again, at Andy B. Larson or at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. It's probably the best place to do it. We've been looking back at 2017, looking ahead to 2018 uh, as well. Also, some weird college football news. I know we got a lot of college football fans, especially Pac-12 fans here. Uh, Arizona has parted away with their head coach, Rich Rodriguez, which is really weird to do two months after the season ends, or I guess I should say a month now after the season has ended. Uh, they've already done an early signing period. They had something like 15 kids that already committed to play for Rich Rodriguez at Arizona, and then they fired him after that. So going to be crazy as well as I think BYU opens their season in 2018 on the road at Arizona. So uh, some interesting uh, news there that will impact our local teams. But getting back to the NBA here, uh, we wanted to look ahead to the 2018 biggest stories we think that are going to uh, arise for the Utah Jazz. I don't know if it matters which order we do this in because I think any number, any one thing that could happen here, with the exception of my number five, which I don't think is going to be a huge impact but could be behind the scenes, uh, is going to be a major storyline for 2018. Okay. let's. Should we just start from the top? Let's start. Okay. Uh, Donovan Mitchell being, you know, where does he end up in terms of his 2018 play? Uh, is he a top 10 player right away? Is he a top 20 player right away? You know, where if he continues on this path of improving every month, where do, you know where does he end up at by the end of the year? And you know the start of next year, he's got a huge off season too, where he can get even better. Uh, he might end up breaking the twenty point per game average, which is not a big deal uh, his rookie season, but it might be enough because again, people love square numbers to lock him in as the rookie of the year. Yeah, and he is he is very firmly in that conversation. Now, I know a lot of people assumed it was going to be Ben Simmons. Simmons has come back to earth a little bit, as have the Philadelphia 76ers. And Simmons' numbers actually could take even more of a hit as Markel Folks is worked into this because Markel Folks will have to play point guard. Ben Simmons tries to do that as well. So his numbers could take a hit there. And if, let's say, Embiid or somebody gets hurt, Philly could continue to fall back even further. Yeah. Uh, and that could impact them, where if the Jazz can stay competitive or Donovan Mitchell just continues to put up these ridiculous numbers, which, I mean, he's not just scoring wildly. He's scoring insanely efficiently, yeah. uh, which will get the advanced guys looking at him, uh, and then as well as the fact that he just might be over twenty points per game and lead the Jazz in scoring. And and you you kind of look at what that having that kind of player for the long term does for free agents or other players wanting to come to the Utah Jazz. Maybe that makes an impact too. Uh, so I, I he's definitely all NB or all rookie first team. He's already locked that up. Yes. He's going to be the all rookie first team guard over Lonzo Ball. Mm-hmm. over Markel Fultz. I yeah. mean, he's going to be the guard on that. Now, one of the other guards will get there, but you know Kyle Kuzma's going to get one of those, and Ben Simmons is going to get one of those. Yeah, and, and Jason Tatum, too. And Jason Tatum. So four of the five spots are gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dennis Smith Jr. has been good recently. Maybe yeah. he's making play for it, too. But yeah, it, I mean, really, there's no question Donovan's going to be first-team all-rookie. Just does he win the actual award? Uh, was that your number one story? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't have that on the list because... I don't okay. think it's necessary. The The fact that the Jazz have him locked up already okay. kind of lessens the impact of, of how it's going to adjust what the Jazz do, even though, again, as he gets better, the easier the Jazz job gets. To me, like it's the biggest story to look for. I agree that it's not really one event, to, to it, but in terms of number of articles that are going to be written about sure. a Jazz thing in the next year, it's Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and My number one story is just the trade deadline okay. coming up for the Jazz because you're going to get rid of Derek Favors most likely. Ricky Rubio and Alec Burks are on the trade block, I would assume. Uh, in fact, most everybody on this Jazz roster is on the trade block outside of Derek or outside of Donovan Mitchell and yeah. uh, Rudy Gobert. That agreed. Uh, I, I've Not got a the Derek Favors it. trade number two, but or a, a Favors trade really trade deadline, um, kind of in that same boat. But yeah, I think that will be uh, a, a, obviously a big story of 2018. Derek Favors has been with this franchise longer than anybody else. Um, but clearly he's going to be moving on in 2018, whether that be a trade or a free agency. Uh, my number two was the offseason restricted free agent decisions. Okay. With Rodney Hood and Dante Exum. Assuming they're both on this team at that point, they could both be traded very easily. Uh, but assuming they're both on the team, those are huge stories because the Jazz are going to have to invest heavily in Rodney Hood if they want him to stick around, which they may not want to. Yeah. I think it would be hard to let him walk for nothing. But if he gets a crazy deal, you, you've seen what he can and cannot do in a Jazz uniform. Well, and I think the... Other question, I've got free agency of 2018, my, my number three. And, you know, honestly, that's looking at the restricted free agency situations as well as if you say no to Rodney Hood, right. you say no to Dante Exum, who do you end up with? You're looking at Jabari Parker or somebody of that okay, but again, type yeah. of money. Yeah. I mean, and, you're and, talking and about you, spending $25 million. And then I, do the Bucks just match that? 
or you know, can you find another taker in restrict uh, in regular free agency? Do you go get an Avery Bradley, say, right, uh, and, and make that work? You know, what whatever, what does that look like that you can get out there and get an actual good free agent for the Jazz? You um, better be tampering if that's the case. Yeah. To be clear, tampering happens always forever. Every team has already happened for this free agency. You better do it. Has already happened for next year's if free agency. If you want to be a good general manager, you better be tampering. People people are tampering all over yep. the place. Right. It's fine. Uh, yeah, you better know that Avery Bradley is legitimately interested in you if you're not matching Rodney Hood to try and bring Avery Bradley. Right, and I, I mean, ideally, honestly, you just make the Avery Bradley decision contractually first because right. you can. Right. You can you can just sign Avery Bradley to sure. a deal before you offer before you match the Rodney Hood. Uh, whatever offer he gets from another team. Which is also why you trade Derek Favors at this trade deadline before you get to the offseason. Because you've tampered enough with Derek Favors or, or vice versa, or his agent has said, you have no chance with him in this offseason. Yeah. You, and you hope he does it. You hope Derek Favors' agent tells you that. And honestly, that conversation has already happened. Sure. Uh, which is why we keep saying the Jazz should trade Derek Favors. Uh, I've got the draft as number three. It's just generic, but it's yeah. a, a hugely impactful draft for the Jazz. Uh, I... I get the feeling they're going to be in the lottery again. I don't think the Jazz are a playoff team this year. I just think Rudy is never going to be at 100%. Uh, I, I love what Donovan Mitchell is going to think. They're all uh, – the good news is I think you can put Donovan Mitchell at either spot. Yeah. And you go and find the best player to play next to him, and you adapt that way. And I don't think it's going to drastically impact the future of Donovan Mitchell because I just think the sky's the limit for him. Agreed. Those were our biggest stories of 2018 to expect. You can tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops what you think the biggest stories are going to be for 2018 for the Utah Jazz. When we come back, here's a fun one, the biggest villains of 2017 for the Utah Jazz as we take a look back at the year that has just passed. That's more coming up next on the Salt City Hoop Show. Utah's number one, that's that's a huge accomplishment. Uh, my number two was Danny Ainge.